Hello and welcome to another episode of Belfield Journal. Uh, H and I are back again this week, and we're joined by Connor Anderson, who is involved in ACT UP and is the graduate officer in the SU, but we promise not to talk about that too much. So, uh... How can hello. Christina find out if we never edit and release our podcasts? Well, I've been editing the last week's one we're doing it this semester because we want some medias. We do want it's all about medias. It's all about awards, baby. Sweet, sweet vindication. So, um... There's been a lot has happened in the world since last week, as usual, and I think, as usual, we're just going to focus on the dumb shit that riles people up on Twitter, rather than the really important news. So, polls have come out. Um, we're finally going to have like a, a left-wing government in Ireland because Sinn Fein are going to win the election. Hundred um, percent, totally. Despi- yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Doubt. And Bernie Sanders won Iowa, and uh, no one can take that away. So it's all good news all around. Oh, I haven't had a chance to check the news today. Last I heard, the app was broken and no one knew who won. Oh, oh boy. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so, Connor, you're an American. I am an American. Another thing I should have introduced you as. That's fine. What's your takeaway from the whole, uh, from this caucus? Uh, uh, bad. So, <laughs> bad. <laughs> it's uh, bad. Run down, so, yes, the app was broken, allegedly. What re- the app was called uh, Shadow. Mm-hmm. It was developed by people who are connected to... Um, developed the day after he announced his uh, committee to look into running for president. He butt-gig, butt-gag? Uh, Pete Buttgag, yeah. Um, which is the wrong way around to use a gag. Like, I've not had that much no, sex, I know. but yeah. I feel like that's... <laughs> No, that's you incorrect. don't. You don't put that there. <laughs> yeah, is, no, that's yeah, that's a no. fundamental mistake. Fundamental um, mistake. He, um, he's. It's not presidential. It's. <laughs> it's. Yeah. Um. Oh my god. <laughs> we need to make sure this doesn't just become a podcast of like two two gay communists making fun of Pete Buttigieg for being a bad gay. <laughs> three. I'm, there are okay. three gay communists in this room right now. But specifically of the like gay male, you know, you know what I meant. I, I meant, do. I meant but I'm also of the uh, two faggy communists. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, you're allowed. Can to say I say that? that? Okay. Yeah. There's no children listening. Okay. I hope. I hope two faggy not. communists and a gay communist. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Three gay communists, two of whom are fags. Re- really, really interesting piece of news this week. At, well, really dumb piece of news. But Peppa Pig's voice actress has stepped down from a uh, Peppa Pig, and I saw it in a Pink News article, which claimed that she was a gay icon. And the Pink News article didn't explain why she was a gay icon, so we had to look it up, and it was Vox.com that explained it. So she released an album of, of like, tracks about the show and about Peppa Pig. But she's a gay icon because one of them... It's got an ironic title because it's actually about how Daddy Pig is not very good at things. But just the title of the track is Expert Daddy Pig. And that's why she's a gay icon. Honestly. <laughs> Which is good. Any Any kind of funny air quotes quote-unquote funny gay discourse on the internet it makes me just exhausted. I'm like, go to a bathhouse, like, see if it'll fly there, and then come back and post your hot take. <laughs> I mean, I really hope it wasn't about an expert daddy pig, considering... Which doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, like, an expert daddy pig, that doesn't, like... like he's No, he's really good at shitting on your chest. Like, he's an expert at it. Because <sighs> you get some real amateurs out there, you know? I guess... Do people often miss, or like, it's like a large target? I feel you can like, get like pee shy, you know. <laughs> poop shy. Poop shy. Yeah, that must be a thing. Uh... There's definitely people who have problems. Okay, so it's not something I've ever done, 
But I imagine if you were going to like poop on, poop, poop on your partner, if it was your first time doing it, you might get pee shy. But, poop shy. But for poop, yeah, poop shy. Poop shy. Shit shy. Yeah. Shit. I, I, I don't really know. I've only ever done it by accident. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. And uh, douching is uh, really can be really bad for you because if you do it too often, it dries up the... So oh, I'm, I'm aware. loads of... Uh, Ah, but for the our listeners, our listeners are less expert than we are. Less, as, fu- yeah, okay. as daddy pigs. So, uh. God, no, <laughs> that is that is a that is a transition I am not prepared for in my life. Um, back to uh, the Caucasus, though. Mm-hmm. So the way a Caucasus is done is you'll correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you get into a big room and you group hug each other, and whoever has the biggest group hug wins. So I'm no longer I am not an expert on American politics. Only four states still run their caucuses in this archaic way. Um, it's like Iowa, Nevada, and then two other ones. Um, but I don't know if the group hug is necessary. You stand in corners yeah, for your candidate. And then they count you. And sometimes they flip coins to determine who gets a delegate because... It's the same number democracy. Of yeah. No, it's not even the same number of people. I mean, I was, and keep in mind, I've only sort of been recently reading about this. Like, there was one county where it was like 111 for Sanders and 66 for butt gag, and they got four delegates each because one delegate was decided by a coin flip because I don't know. Because America is an anti-democratic banana republic, <laughs> basically. Um, and, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so it's kind of a group hug, but you don't have to hug each other if, if that's not your thing. No, if you're not into that. Yeah, that's fair. So they have this big thing, and then the votes were being counted by a um, group of... By, by the Democrats using an app to tally them. Apparently. So they traditionally would phone in yep. and say, I'm in XYZ. X county reporting. We have this many people of this, for this, like, and give their results that way. And what they were meant to do this time was enter mm-hmm. an app. Mm-hmm. And everyone who was involved in this process was given mandatory training, which didn't include how to use this app. Of course it did. Which was developed by former Hillary for, American, uh, Hillary for America staffers who were also connected to... The, um, I believe they, res- they received a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand dollars from Pete Buttgag's campaign. And, and by the also- end, of, and by the end of the night, somehow no one knew who won. Although internally, the Sanders campaign is saying that they definitely got the most votes. The Sanders, based on what they could see, because obviously it's not a secret ballot. You can see who is standing where in the room. Yep. So as long as you can see enough of the rooms, that you have some of the cam phone in enough of the rooms, you can see the results regardless yep. of what's been officially announced. And going off of that, Sanders is saying he's won. Pete Buttigieg has made a sort of a victory speech as well, uh, based on, we're not sure what. Based on the fact that the person who made the app is a Pete supporter. I mean, According hey, that'd be crazy. to my brother? That'd be, yeah, um... oh yeah, no, 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 like... That's a that's a bit tinfoil hatty there. Like America's a really good and functioning democracy, and never has been anything else. So uh, I'm sure it's just a. I don't know. I was <laughs> washing up after breakfast. My brother came in. and Was like, you never guess what Mayor Pete did. Um, oh yeah, the f- it makes it super shady that he announced victory with his prepared victory speech before the results were announced. Cons- all thing his connections to the app considered, but even to take the tinfoil hat off, it is just wildly incompetent that you get a bunch of like 
people older than 50 in charge of counting the votes, give them an app, not train them how to use it, despite having given them mandatory training, and then everything falls apart. As has been pointed out, even if there is nothing malicious or tinfoil hatty about this, it does just give Trump, whoever wins, it does get, just give Trump a big, like, uh, you can't even organize a fucking caucus anyone around the country. Yeah, right. And and, I mean, and that's a act, honestly a fair enough argument against the Democratic Party now. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that it also hands Donald Trump a conspiracy theory yeah. on a silver platter, exactly. which he will run into the ground. Yeah. And because his supporters are Nazis, they will buy it because it's perfect. That fits right into a stab in the backstory. That's like, boom. And it's you know? also true for a lot of Americans that the reason they often don't vote or for anyone is because they think the system is really rigged. And Bernie Sanders brings in a lot of outside support. He does. Because people who would otherwise maybe vote for Trump or vote for no one, who would just have this general sense that politics is not worth their time, now see the one time that they thought they could make a difference actually just get shat all over. They'll go, oh, I guess I was right all along. Politics is just a load of nonsense. And then just not vote for either candidate or vote for Trump because they see Trump as different. And that'll, and that, that'll just be what happens. Um yeah, no, it's an insane. It's insane that this happened, and also means even if it's announced later today that Bernie Sanders won by a landslide, he'll have won by a landslide by what will appear to the public to be a technicality. Yep, it will seem like they had to fix it up and make sure everything was right before they did it, and that really takes the steam out of it because he doesn't get a big victory party the night of the count or anything. He just gets mm-hmm. to twenty four hours later say, "Okay, we've counted. I've technically won," which, if it was. The race itself is fine because then you get to be, um, a you you get to be the nominee, or but because it's only the first caucus, it takes the steam out of the sails long before the fight is over because yeah. he's going to have to go to forty nine more states after this and have a repeat caucus or primary in every everywhere else in the country. So mm-hmm. yeah, oh well. Irish polls. H, <laughs> have you seen the Irish Times poll that came out? Uh. Sinn Féin in the lead, in the Fianna Fáil in second. I've seen reporting then on it. Then I haven't seen um, the um, actual poll itself. Um, I know I was I saw the direct aftermath of the Red Sea poll. On that was the Sunday. business post. The business yes, post, which that was, had them level. That had them level. Now they're winning. Mm-hmm. Now historically, Sinn Féin underperform what their polls say. Yeah. However, it's still a very wide margin. Unfortunately, they don't have enough. Um, they're not running enough candidates to form a government. Like, even if they won, they have, like, 48, I believe. And we have 160 seats. So we don't. We have 158. Do we have 158 since mm-hmm. the last? Yeah. Close enough to 160 that we know it's about 80 to be a majority. If yeah. it's 158, then it'll be 79 to be a majority, mm-hmm. which uh, they can't get with... 42 ca- with 42 48 candidates that's a nope but they, um, enough of the left-wing candidates haven't ruled out coalition with them that i'd say it could form a coalition government a left-wing coalition with pipe dream with who though pipe like dream. if you take sock dems labor pvp are not going to go in with a broad coalition of social democratic parties so you'd have to be only, be only taking the center left social democratic parties Labour, Greens, Sock Dems combined with Sinn Féin still don't make a majority. Unless all of them get all their seats and Labour are really, really 
losing out this time around mm-hmm. because they're terrible and everyone should hate well, them. Well, Labour really, really lost out last time around. They're like they're dying. They're dwindling. It's not in- shockingly. You can't have a Labour movement that has no connection to the workers' movement. <laughs> somehow, somehow that doesn't seem to function as like a, a credible, credible political force. It's shocking. I don't know who would have thought of that. Um, Connor, what you've only just gotten involved. In, this is is this your first time in Ireland for a general election? Yes. Or, uh, what do you make of it as an outsider from a very different political system? Um, I like Sinn Fein, and it's a nice start. <laughs> my knowledge of Irish politics uh, ends back about 1922. That's when my that's about how informed I am up until. So uh, looking at, I mean, I have never been like. <laughs> it's like when they were like, "Oh, we just announced a general election." I was like, "Wait, they can do that? The election's always ah. at the same time." Like, what do you mean you're just announcing a general election? You know, like the parliamentary style system, and it's not. I don't know. If, is it a parliamentary? It style? is. It yeah, is. Yeah, parliamentary it's, style it's, system it's, where like. Like, it's nearly exactly molded off the British, just with different names for a lot of things. Yeah, so that that is not something with which I'm I'm super familiar. Like like in the states, we have like elections every two years. And it's always the same, no matter what. Always the same. Elections are always election days, always in November. It's always like we have midterms and we have the generals, and you yeah. know. Um, so when yeah, they were like, oh, we got it. We're just announcing an election. I was like, oh, what do you mean you can just you know? So as an outsider, like. I yeah, oh. I don't really know. <laughs> so Sinn Fein are definitely better than Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, just as far as yes. like for mm-hmm. the left. They're not fantastic. They're certainly not Marxist Leninists. They're broadly social democratic, but yeah, but you can't vote. You can't vote Marxist Leninists into power. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, but the but the idea is like. They're, they're broadly social democratic. They actually have a politics, which is nice. They're obviously connected with the Irish Republican movement mm-hmm. and connected with... And so when they stand up for something, they know what it is to have a politics beyond wanting to be in power, wanting to win seats. They have like a an un- underlying cause they support, which you don't really get with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. Those are both parish punk politics to get mm-hmm. elected mm-hmm. and to be fair you used to get that with Fina Gale back in the 30s and 40s <laughs> so uh context oh. there Fina Gale were formed out of a combination of three different political forces yeah they were the they were the treaty people uh, but there was the treaty party whose name escapes me now it was one particular politician who also ah uh, I can't remember his name and the blue shirt movement which was as with most colored shirts in a European country, uh, fought for Franco, Catholic nationalist, mm-hmm. um, just open fascist. Oh, boy. Uh, and, and so Fianna Gael were formed out of this broad anti-Fianna Fáil coalition from the right, um, sort of the law and order slash fascist party. And obviously they've come down on a lot of that since. Um well, Ireland has, as my understanding is, Ireland has two center-right parties. Yeah, yes. who well, have that, a disagreement that, that stems back to like the Civil War. Well, the, yeah, but Fina, basically, Fine Gael haven't been a, uh, a took into in the took in the blue shirts on the way. They weren't always Fine Gael. No, Fina yeah, Fall is older. Fine Gael was made up out of what was it? Was it something Naguil? It had 
Grail in it. It was the predecessor party was yeah. the Pro Treaty, and then there was also the Blue the Shirts. Yeah, you some, know. some good old Blue Shirts. I'm actually sort of amazed how at how Ireland seems to have mostly avoided organized far-right political movements. Well, there's the National Party, who are running a TD in my constituency. Oh, yeah, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. They're running um, for a TD. They're not running a TD. They're running a candidate. Yeah. He's not signing for a election. But, it's like, but what I mean it. is, like, this is this yes. is not, like, what do you call it? The Golden Dawn. Is it the Golden Dawn Golden in Greece? Golden Dawn in Greece, who are actually quite you know, effective and popular. And, you know, yeah. Ireland has not, had, has not had a Franco. I just think it's because we're kind of lazy. Oh, the, the and, Ireland like, also... fascism takes energy. It's also true that Ireland's always had quite a... It had some good, strongish trade unions for a while, but it also never had... Since independence hasn't had a particularly radical left either. It's just not a particularly divided country politically most of the time. It leads to a very... It's a very... Some commentators really like the stability of it, but it does lead to, like, issues taking generations to solve because everything is stagnant. Um, Irish people, their politics are quite disconnected from how they vote. I mean... The Irish Times pod- election podcast went out and just asked a load of farmers what they thought of the government, what they thought of politics, the fact that they literally blocked up Dublin with tractors in protest like a week before they were being asked. And all of them were either not going to vote or going to vote for the same Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael lad as they always do. Sort of yeah. not seeing a connection between their exactly. protest the... against the government <laughs> and the way they vote. You get the same thing with water charges. People are going to vote for Fianna Fáil candidates who took the day off work to come up to Dublin to block up the city centre because they didn't like water charges, are now going to vote for Fianna Fáil candidates. As if... Like, like it's an insane disconnect between the politics you live and the politics you vote for. Well, I mean... So this... And this is this was explained to me by one of my call, one of my classmates and, you know, an older, older Irish woman base, who basically said, like, you sort of... Like the families that were split by the Civil War, sort of settled on Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, and then that's just who you voted for yeah. because it became like we're a F- we're a Fianna Fáil family, not because of Fianna Fáil's politics, but because, you know, like my grandfather supported the anti-treaty side in the Civil yes. War, and his brother got shot by the treaty guys, and so we support Fianna Fáil. Like, yeah. which obviously is 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 simplistic. But well, I mean that's a large part of it, and that is the way people think about it. And it's even more insane considering that the last the treaty is there's literally nothing legally binding that treaty anymore. But the last thing to go is the North of Ireland, which is now governed under the Good Friday Agreement, which has provisions for referendum and change of ownership, which didn't even exist, which didn't exist at all in the treaty. The treaty ports are gone. The British Navy no longer has ports in like the rest of the country. Uh, The Crown is gone. The Viceroy is gone. It's all. The treaty no longer matters, and even the two main parties know but it. The, the, but the, there's no policy difference. A little bit funny about this is um, I'm from a trade unionist family. I'm from a labor family. It's super fun. I mean... <laughs> labor is dead in the water. My entire family knows it, and so no one is enthused about anything anymore. Well, they should uh. just find a better trade union party, honestly. Yeah. Not that I'd have any idea who that could be. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, voting PVP, I usually oh, do. Yeah. on that. Like, yeah, we're lucky enough to be in Paul Murphy's constituency. Uh, I do so like, I do PVP like that it. you get to vote like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's brilliant. That's I that's cool. That. I love that. Proportional representation is never perfect, and there's a lot of different models for doing it, but it is automatically a lot less, a lot more democratic than voting for your favorite option, mm-hmm. because it forces you to like, because it says. 
you can you're, you you don't waste your vote if you vote for what you want. Exactly. And that's obviously the the first and best and most important advantage of it. Um, it can also contribute to the stagnation in politics because it leads to more it's, you're more likely to have coalition governments who are less likely to do anything radical, that kind of a thing, which you don't necessarily get as much of in a two-party system. Uh, in a two-party system, you just have to draw battle lines and fight it out. In in Ireland, you, it's everyone is sort of at yeah. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael but I mean, don't the example, quite, if it's neither the get exa- enough seats, and then they both sort of court some of the smaller parties, and it's kind of... But if you're using like a two-party system system as an example of a system of government that can achieve more radical change, oh no! Like, and the United States is like that's not, I don't oh, know. Oh, the United States is not a good example of anything. Um, <laughs> it the United States is a special case. So the United States was a very interesting experiment in government when it was founded, and even today, when the um, depart what whatever it's called, the Department of of which. It's the one that helps with nation building and advising and whatever. State. State, that Department? The State Department? They advise, anyone that they're advising and helping with nation building with advises parliamentary democracies. Modern Iraq, they were like, don't copy our system. You're going to build, you're going to have a parliamentary democracy that has, e- has term limits mm. on like having a, like it's, that's what has... Iraq is not a good example of oh, nation no, no, no. building. <laughs> I mean, no, no, like, no, no, no. I don't this mean, is like... I don't mean it's a good example. I America mean, is a United giant States, machine that produces United, war and death. United like, States, that's all it is. I just mean the United States' own understanding of itself is that, that obviously Americans for Americans are not going to change it and they worship the Constitution. True. But when America is involved in any other country, they prefer to deal with parliamentary democracies than any other system because it tends to work better. And it's also easier sure. to influence in some way. Yeah, I mean, America prefers to work with strong-armed right-wing dictators. That's who America that. prefers to work with. Failing that, that's true. Um, I don't know what you could possibly be referring to. Um, God, I mean, you, you don't, because there are so many things I could be referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I'm sure it's like a combination of like, um, well, predominantly Latin America. Zaire. Half of Guatemala, Panama. None of this is Vietnam. stuff that. Uh, none of this is stuff that. The you US know the CIA in- interfered in Australian elections. It's the least. The CIA interfered in Australian prime minister elections in the seventies. Like, anyway, sorry. We, we, I really hate like America. America. A- alleged ally. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <sighs> sorry. So that's a white people country and everything. Jesus, you shouldn't be interfering with that. I mean, like they do also fund a lot of the right wing campaigns in Ireland. Very heavily. Well, it's not the United States it, government yeah, that funds. Yeah, just Americans. No, it's, but like, it's the United like, States government know, is not funding Aintu or like the not National Party. Yes. Not that we know of. <laughs> um, although that said, they did sponsor, like, like they did um, fascists to assassinate countless people in Latin America. They they murdered general, they murdered general. they murdered Lumumba they murdered Arbenz they murdered um, general, Diem, gen, they murdered... general Rene Schneider because you can't have a military coup if the general of the, if the uh, head of the military says that he's opposed to coups so you just have some Nazis yeah. kill the general and then you have a coup yeah um, no America is an evil empire America is the, is the greatest impediment to peace and justice on the pl- face of the world and until it's dismantled fingers crossed I'm crossing my fingers so you can't see it. Um, you know, uh, we will never have peace. Ah, yeah, but if you abolish America, you just have China. And China, is China like- comparatively, is fine. 
China is not comparatively fine. To it China. is comparatively China. fine. So, China does not like it. Just there is no comparison. Okay, so China, to China, China, China currently have ethnically based work and labor camps. It's well, it, it has the re-education camps, which there it, it, there is which like are, a balance. Are they being funneled into work and labor camps after re-education? That sounds about right. This is this is the China that currently shuts down. It, there's there's a great trend, like a really funny trend of labor organizer of like Marxist reading groups being shut down in Chinese universities because you read read like one page of yeah Marx. in the United States they just shoot them oh no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> you but, uh, know what I mean oh no China China executes more political prisoners than any other country in the world um, America imprisons more people overall China executes more political prisoners um, they're both shit. Yeah, no. Uh, no, I, I, I'm very much... It's the same as when people started arguing when um, Soleimani was assassinated and people seemed to, like, turn around and be like, solidarity with Iran. And it's like, actually, if America goes to war with Iran, the biggest losers will be the Iraqis, who really don't want either Iran or the United States involved. But uh, like, like, both of those countries have sh- a handful of nice things in defeating ISIS, which Soleimani was involved in. But ultimately, both countries just have imperial... I set on Iraq, and if you're going to claim to be an act- an anti-imperialist rather than just generically anti-American, you also have to be very careful about what you think Iran's role in the region should be. Iran- yes, I agree. So <laughs> at the same time, there are sides. Yeah. In this fight, and to the extent that there are sides, you have to choose one. Like saying, "Well, both China and the U.S. are shit," isn't really. Like one is significant is a completely different level and brand of one is an evil empire and one isn't. Uh, I I think China is an evil empire that got in onto the modern way of doing empire faster. Like China gives Ch- China does the same things in Africa with like giving it can aid that's very conditional and they're loans. They're loans. Yeah, but they're loans in this. But they're loans in the way that when America does them, people rightly call it just like neoliberal imperialism yes. or post-colonialism or whatever, where it's yes. like in, entirely just to exploit Africa for its resources. And then China does the exact same thing while also, but the thing, on purposely giving it to like warlords instead of governments, and people thing, go, ah, well, that's just loans. Like, no, China's doing the, the same thing. The thing, the thing was saying it's the exact same thing is like. To, like like this and the thing is this is this is this is like where it always like I don't think China's perfect I don't think China's fabulous I think in the scope of geopolitics to the extent that there are sides I'm on China's side because um, the other side is the United States I don't <laughs> think you have to have sides in the same way as the Amer- as the Irish revolutions one of their or the Irish revolutionaries went with neither King nor Kaiser as like a good tagline you don't have to like you don't have to look at a global conflict and say that you have to pick one of the sides if you're in favor of any kind of like little man small countries that are caught in between whatever you can turn around and say actually you're not going to take sides vietnam got invaded by china just after the americans cuz vietnam wanted to go communist and the chinese thought they were doing it wrong and invade and the vietnamese just stuck the finger up to both of them yeah and that's great. You you can be in between and independent and a feisty little resistance to both sides. And I think that's and that's not necessarily saying that China and the United States are exactly equivalent in every way. Because they aren't. That's just saying in most ways they are not. That's just saying that the optimal thing of in imperial conflicts between dominating, cruel, cynical, and sinister imperial powers like China and the United States 
you can just say that there's a third way. The um, thing is, like, I, yeah, I mean, and, and my, yeah, I'm just never, it's like, I'm never going to call China a dominating, cruel, sinister, imperial power in the same way that the United States is. Because China just hasn't done the things the United States has done. It just hasn't. This is when people. This is when people will be like, "Oh well, we no, got to we got to be careful about China getting nuclear weapons." There's only one country oh, well, on the whole has planet. No, no, but I just mean like there's only yeah. one country on the planet that has used nuclear weapons against civilians, and it's the U.S. Oh yeah, no, totally. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like and it was a bad way of ending. There's only, as far as I know, there's only one country that's unleashed Black Death as as part of war, and that's the United States of America. Yeah, you know, but there's also there's only one country that's responsible for the largest genocide in the history of this planet, and that's the United States of America. You know. Like, so to say, like, well, China, because China just has not committed genocide on that scale. Um, Just period. I keep, Hamilton quotes keep coming to mind, and I'm aware this is not the crowd, but it's all that's coming <laughs> to my mind. Uh, um, Which is like, which country is built by slaves on an Indian graveyard, China or the United States of America? China still uses an awful lot of slave essentially slave labor today slavish labor slavish I mean, whatever labor. like yes like, like i agree like, like, it's not great long, long past like wage slavery in china like it like it it's full-on just you you and your family have to like slavery in this thing there's no there's no chance of anything else happening in life um all local culture and ideas and anything that isn't like adherent to Beijing's understanding of what a Chinese person is destroyed in the Cultural Revolution and it took a long time before anyone tried to undo any of that. Um, and even then, they're very, very cautious and skeptical of anything that isn't sort of ethnically and culturally identical to Beijing. No, it's, it's you, pretty you much... You know a, what I think is happening and actually, right And actually, now? I think if you look at China <laughs> as not as a country but as the remnants of an empire, you can call it an imperial power because you go, like, the country that size... You don't have to leave the land, the, like mainland China, to go. No, by the time you get to the Afghan border, you're no longer really in the same country or culture. You're now just in territory, place, a place that's like less understood by the West, but may as well be. You may as well be in Tibet. You're in a country that's linguistically and culturally and religiously distinct from Beijing. Doesn't necessarily want to be ruled by it, but doesn't really have a choice because it's in China. Nathan admitted to me yesterday that he doesn't really know a lot about what Octop does, so I think right now he's keeping the conversation on things he knows about so he can sound smart. I mean, I like sounding Boom. smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've, that's... I'm looking at the time. Maybe it is time to... Yeah, sorry. I've, sorry for going full tanky on the broadcast. Oh, but... no, it's it's great. I, like a, I love a good argument. Um, I also support the Soviet Union, so, uh, you know. <laughs> ooh. Critically. Critical support. <laughs> I know too little about these conflicts to give any kind of opinion. I didn't Look, even let's, do I'm like, I'm like, let's destroy the evil capitalist empire, and then we can nitpick about about the the the, the I think legacies I, of the largest socialist revolutions of the 20th century, 21st century, 20th century, 20th century. I, 20th century. I, I, I think I think disliking Stalinism. Ooh, if those is things bit... happen in the past 20 years, we'll be having a very different conversation. <laughs> Uh, I think I think fighting about Stalin is a bit more than nitpicking, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I say What's we we've got we act up. What is act up doing? What is act up doing? I wouldn't know. I have not been to a meeting in a while, but I am in contact with many of these people, and I know that we are doing stuff. Um, <laughs> can you talk us through like the history of act up a little? People yes. mightn't be aware. I can give you a little bit of a primer. So act up is actually an acronym. It stands for the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. It was founded in New York City. Um, I don't know if it was by Larry Kramer, 
but it was um, the novelist. Yes, the novelist. Yeah. You wrote faggots. Um, he One also of those books that you can't read on a bus. Yes, <laughs> I love Larry Kramer. I have mixed. I have complicated feelings about Larry Kramer. Um, so Larry Kramer was a gay man, a gay activist, a gay artist. Um, he actually helped found Gay Men's Health Crisis, which is the predecessor organization to ACT UP, which I believe was founded in 1982 when there were only a few cases. So as a primer on the AIDS epi- the AIDS crisis, started in 81, the first cases were found. Um, they were found, it was called the four H's, um, hemophiliacs, Haitians, heroin users, and homosexuals were the four groups of people who were impacted by the disease. Um, by 84, um, people were dropping like flies and people kept dying until 96, which is when effective antiretrovirals were introduced. Um, so ACT UP was founded in 1988 because Larry Kramer was expelled from gay men's health crisis. And then he came back, he went to Fire Island and he wrote a book and he came back and he found ACT UP. Um, and then ACT UP has several child, like daughter groups like Queer Nation, um, who also then sort of spun off and, um, ACT UP was most was really active in the early 90s. Um, the, the one of the biggest uh, actions that were, were undertaken was the storming of the FDA in New York City. Um, ACT UP did an action where they uh, threw the ashes of people who had died from AIDS onto the White House lawn. Um, they, you know, there's there's like two movies that recently came out, How to Survive a Plague, which is sort of a whitewashed version of the history, although it does have Peter Staley in it, who was a total fox back then. Um, and he's still sort of a total fox, but he's a little more of a silver fox now. But anyway, and the other movie is United in Anger, which is sort of widely considered the more faithful um, uh, depiction. So ACT UP has, I don't know when ACT UP Dublin was founded, but ACT UP has splinter groups. There's an ACT UP Paris, there's an ACT UP Dublin, ACT UP New York is still very big and active. I believe, and I do not quote me on this, that my friend in ACT UP New York told me that ACT UP Dublin is the second most active chapter after New York. I believe it, like, internationally, like, because I keep an eye on these things. I would follow a lot of international groups and stuff online. And Dublin at least seems to have the most active social media presence of international active groups. Yeah. Well, that would also make sense because Dublin... I think it might starting to be changed, but Ireland has had for a while one of the few countries where its uh, HIV rates were on the increase. Mm-hmm. Um, access to PrEP is still really difficult. Well, the um, only so so that's actually one of the big big victories. Act Up was the yeah. the activists of Act Up were instrumental in getting Simon Harris and the HSE to agree to the PrEP rollout. Which I mean, the thing is, like, I already have it, so I don't need PrEP. But um, like. It's the rollout is coming. I mean, it's it's like it's it's that's a, it's, a win. The other one, I don't know if the, the 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 other big thing that we've been pushing is the the message, the U equals U message, which is undetectable yeah. equals untransmittable. You might have seen those up on bus stops around, um, and that's being pushed by ACT UP. Also, that- UCD SU and UCD LGBTQ have stickers at the moment um, that are being rolled out. They're made for Pride and forgotten. Um, or the rainbow U equals U ones? Um, no, they're just these ones here. Oh, fab. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, Love those. So, yeah. The LGBT- sticker just says U, into U equals U for anyone listening. Breaking the stigma. Um, and and be careful, we are now talking about the SU. and. Uh... Well, I'm talking from my position okay, as being fair. the VDA for LGBT yeah, stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
we have some, I think there's some still in the SU. Um, I know with LGBT, we can't give them out unless we see what you're putting it onto because of society's council rules. We can't give out stickers, technically, if they could be used to deface other things. Lame. Um, lame. Is so that we need to see you stick rule? on something, pretty much. God, can I have a bunch just to stick on? Which, no, I'm not going to say that on air, actually. Um, you can get them from the SU to do that, probably. But you could like, buy them from the SU to stick on censored stuff. Office door. No, he has a camera. Yes, do um, that. But no. also, uh, <laughs> LGBT book up flames, one hundred percent. So, um, for anyone, also for people listening, U equals U is about is more about the stigma. U equals U stands for undetectable equals untransmittable. Um, essentially, what it means. So, so this this has been widely sort of known, or at least widely suspected for years, but it has only been recently confirmed beyond a shadow of a scientific doubt. But basically, undetectable means a person who has HIV, who is HIV positive, but is taking effective antiretroviral medication and is adherent to their regimen, will achieve a status called undetectable, which means the amount of virus circulating in the bloodstream is so low that it cannot be detected by tests. When a person is undetectable, they are unable to transmit HIV, period. So if an undetectable person, you, you can have sex with an undetectable person, you can share a needle with an undetectable person, and they will not give you HIV, um, which is huge um, because the fear of transmission is one of the biggest parts of the stigma um, against HIV and against HIV-positive people. And it's also in large part um, why... It has it is also enlarged it's it's a major factor in the criminal in our criminalization in the way we're criminalized um and so u equals u is a is a really is a message of hope and it's a message of empowerment and the really frustrating thing is that we've actually pretty much known that u equals u since 2008 that's when something called the swiss statement came out but it was a statement by Swiss top top HIV AIDS researchers in Switzerland who said people who are on effective antiretroviral medication cannot transmit HIV. So HIV activist groups have been pushing this and saying this, but it hasn't. It's only recently that it's been really the partner one and partner two studies are like they're like double blind, huge sample size, years of study. And they have utterly, completely confirmed without a shadow of a doubt that, that U equals U is scientific fact. But this is what always the frustrating thing with HIV science is that there's always this sort of like, well, we can't, we can't really, we can't be promoting gay sex. So remember, be really careful. There's always a tiny chance. Any chance is a chance. Any risk is a risk. Risk, because like it sort of makes intuitive sense that if a person has no, does not have the virus circulating in their bloodstream, they wouldn't be able to transmit by blood to blood or, or other yeah. contact. You know, that you know, a five year old sort of not maybe not a five year old, twelve year old could like sort of tell yeah. you that. You know, if yeah. there's no virus, it can't be transmitted. But if you actually look back to the early days of the epidemic when condoms were being promoted, people had the same fears and anxieties and the same scolding kind of, you know, any risk is a risk. You can't say it prevents it. There you might get it anyway about condoms. Yeah. And they had the same they had the same reaction to prep. They have the same reaction to U equals U. So it's not about risk. There is very little rational assessment of risk when it comes to HIV positive people and the, po the risks of transmission. Sorry, this is kind of a pet subject of mine. Um, oh no, there's like very me. little rational thought about it. It's just this sort of fear of the other, you know. So I don't want to get too 
we don't have much time left and we have one more segment to get through. Yes. But can you speak a bit to what you were saying about the criminalization? Oh, so this, as far as I know, is not really much of an issue in Ireland. I don't believe Ireland has any laws in the books. Okay. Um, in numerous states in in numerous states in the U.S., um, it is a criminal. There's a, there are criminal statutes regarding willful transmission of HIV. Some of these states, I believe, Missouri criminalizes scratching and spitting, which we have known for decades is non. You cannot give someone HIV by spitting on them. Um, and this so, is as insane as the people who say swimming pools and other like. Exactly, it's, it's just as insane. So you will have states where, and now some states will prosecute potential transmissions or malicious transmissions under other statutes. But I think I can't remember that. It's like twenty plus states have specific statutes on the books about if you are an HIV positive person and you have sex with someone without disclosing your status, then you can be prosecuted under these willful intention to infect statutes and you you people are hit with like 25 years you know there's a case of a guy who used a condom and was undetectable and so therefore did not pose an actual transmission risk but his partner later Sarah converted of course you can't actually prove that it was this guy who gave it to you but the partner went his went and accused the guy and the guy was sentenced to 25 years in prison um, you know, like another, uh, there's a, a woman who is, uh, her partner murdered her when, when she found, when he found out that she was HIV positive. Um, and they are, they're homophobic, they're sexist, they're, they're utterly just, they, they exist, they, they criminalize the, the state of being HIV positive because it ultimately will come down in a court of law to like, if someone decides to accuse you, they just have to say, well, you, the, they never told me. And who who is the court going to believe? Yeah. You know? So, but as far as I know, Ireland does not have, that That has not come up in the Irish courts yet. Um, so Ireland doesn't have any rules about it, but uh, a lot of other countries do. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, that's, it's great. That's that's very reminiscent of a lot of the other, like, gay panic things as well. And oh, 100%. Panic. Like, it's all. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh God! Well, on a on a lighter note, <laughs> um, we have a reading series for this week, so we this, can get, uh, get some of the anger out of our system. <laughs> this reading series is from the Birkin. Oh, good. Our good, Connor, good you know the you know the What is the Birkin? Oh, the Birkin was a there's a group of conservative Trinity students who are like we'll start our own paper because none of the, all the regular campus papers are left wing and they were actually good about it I interviewed one of them once and he was kind of like well you know campus media is always going to be left wing it's not a conspiracy it's just student young people tend to be more left wing so we thought we'd start our own to be conservative then they were incompetent and there was infighting so eventually this like racist shithead from UCD ends up being the editor of the Birkin nationwide because it's not just in Trinity anymore. Everyone who was just like, uh, I'm a moderate conservative, though. I'm a Birkin conservative who was involved in founding it has left. So it's just this like shithead who promotes um, fucking. Oh, what's um, b- promotes the bell curve? Oh boy! From, from, from vintage. UCD. He's the one. He's the, he's the editor now, and they put up some whack articles about like borderline race science without ever saying the quiet parts loud. <laughs> so, I'm, um, I'm, I'm excited. Let's do this, it. This one is much lighter. Uh, J.K. Rowling and why fiction is dying. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, I'm on this one side. <laughs> but keep going. <laughs> you reap what you sow. 
After spending years feeding the progressive beast, J.K. Rowling has finally learned the meaning of this proverb. How? Just like any social media mob, it started when Rowling was caught espousing views that are out of date. This time, it was the view that biological binary of sex exists. <laughs> this view, while previously seen as virtuous when coupled with the assertion that such a binary is separate from gender, has since become heterodox to the progressive canon. As such, espousing this view is now heretical and warrants nothing but excommunication. Okay, heterodox and heretical are different things, just to be clear. Yeah. Like, that's annoying. <laughs> oh my God. It can't it's, be... But it's annoying because it's it, he's writing it in on purposely pretend intellectual language so that it makes it harder to like quite get what the argument is but also the reason why it's been left from progressive circles it's been scientifically proven to not be true um it's also like also binary. this idea this idea that like the left had lo- the left decided that sex and gender were separate like girl read butler like she's been like come on it's like header pe- like i don't even like i prefer to use, to use the term sex gender because mm-hmm. it's the same social force whatever whatever yeah. And it's like read read Foucault, dude. It's like this is eighties. Yeah, acting like this is like we just people just like up and decide. It's like shut up. Um, stripped of any social credit she had left, the creator of Harry Potter was branded a turf, a term used to slander boomer feminists who have not adhered what? to the doctrine. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is just a Tumblr post. <laughs> Why is this being published? So sorry. Can you run that by me again? I f- think I. A turf is a boomer feminist, like who has not adhered to new doctrine. Um, yes. No, Ugh. but this is also gives it away because these are the people who want who th- see themselves as critics of the left and of Tumblr culture and of woke feminism and all of these things, of which there are good criticisms. However, there are people who haven't bothered to read any of the criticism first. They don't n- or read the arguments that they're arguing against, so they end up sort of talking out of their ass, you know? Like, uh... Oh, my God. Because that's not what... Oh. Continue. Just Many expressed their virulent hatred of the woman, even exclaiming that she had lost any right she once had to her fictional creation. Oh, my God. That's actually a literary theory called Death of the Author. Hatsune that Miku. was not oh. created by the left. Hatsune Miku wrote Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, like... But again, again, I like, hate that I, I hate that I know all of the things he's referring to. I, I, but, but again, but he, I don't think he knows the th- things he's referring to. I think he's just, he's like, ah, oh, they're taking it away from her. But he's, but then, no, you know, that was thing, that his, was a long, a long his, running Tumblr his, joke was like Hatsune Miku, like J.K. Rowling is canceled, so now Hatsune Miku is the author his, of Harry Potter. She also his, created Minecraft. Yeah. Yes. Um, here's the thing, though. He's referring to Death of the Author as if the left invented it just to spite J.K. Rowling personally. But this dork is probably a fucking canon nerd who thinks that whether or not the official copyright holder, Disney, officially recognizes whichever the fuck Star Wars video game is part of the official canon. Like, he's probably one of those people who cares about that kind of thing. Which is why he's so upset at the concept that there's people who don't like J.K. Rowling and want to have their own head canon or understanding of what happens in the Harry Potter books and don't like what she's saying. My understanding is the Harry Potter books just don't exist. My understanding is that they're for children. No one wrote Harry ups. No one wrote Harry Potter because I don't acknowledge that, it as... My understanding as, is they're for children. I don't acknowledge it. My understanding is they're for children and, pe- and they're fine children's books but adults need to grow the fuck up. Um, you see, Harry Potter is very important to these people. Since they lack any religious or philosophical grounding, these that's progressives true. are for- forced to latch onto media franchises yeah, to give fair. their life's meaning. That's true. That's what actually thing- true. He's right. 
While things like Marvel and Star Wars are often used for this purpose, Harry Potter is the main mythology replacement of choice for the childless millennial progressive. I resent that remark. But it's true. For some... (laughs) It's true for a lot of them. That's, okay, I, I mean, I'd like, okay, fine. You're legitimately true, but... Harry <laughs> yeah, Potter no, itself like... is built for this purpose. It's overly simplistic, painting its characters in broad strokes of good and evil. Harry himself is a paragon of virtue that borders on being a Gary Stew, which I'm Stop! based on Mary God Stu. damn it! <laughs> Stop! These, these are terms that should not be spoken out loud. <laughs> This is this is like I'm now we've transited from like this is a Tumblr post to this is like a live journal entry. <laughs> this has become this has become like a fandom live journal rant circa 2007. Um, while Voldemort is an evil purebloods only racist that wants to do nothing but hurt people and be evil. Oh my god! Almost okay. like it's a children's book. <laughs> to be fair, no. This to is be like. Fair. This is like all the people complaining about Steven Universe. To be fair. I hate this. I hate this so much. Why are you doing this to me? To, to be fair, I'm only going to read my children, the brothers uh, come as you are. Like, I'm, I'm only going to read my children, what is to be done, but done by Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> Imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. I'm only going to... I mean, that's... Yeah, I'm only going to... Buckle read. up, Amen. <laughs> This simplicity, while negatively affecting the literary value of the series, lends itself greatly to use as a pseudo-mythology. The progressive millennial struggles to find identity in the in their world, and as such uses the pseudo-myth to cling to fanati- fantastical wizarding identity. Instead of just being another Actually. sexless, genderless consumer, these millennials tattoo themselves- I'm very sexed. I'm <laughs> oversexed, if anything. Um, I think they're using the word millennial to often also means people who are mid-millennial to a bit younger, you know? Like that they, kind of millennial pro- Gen Z cost. Like, millennials, I'm 24 and I'm the youngest you can be a millennial. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of these people are, like, they're referring to, like, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. To be fair, though, I think some of this is actually less dumb than I thought it was going to be. Because I am remembering that amazing tweet. I don't know. I, I, do- I looked onto the account. I don't think it was a joke. Connor, you might have seen it. There was a tweet that said... um with the Donald Trump locking people up at the border, and there was a tweet that went viral for being hated reasons that said, Donald Trump has gone beyond Hitler levels of evil. He's now at Professor Umbridge levels. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, no. Read a different book. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, actually. Read another book. I actually think this guy has a point. Like, not in his conclusions about. Anti Harry Potter action. Like, God <laughs> damn it. Anyway. Um, these millennials tattoo themselves with joint smoking Hufflepuffs or drape their rooms with revolutionary Ravenclaw banners or perhaps wear a sweatshop t-shirt with the insignia of Deviant House Slytherin. What? <laughs> Wait, what? What is this image? What is this image he is conjuring? That's amazing. Like, sorry, pot... They he's don't he's sm- talking about Harry Potter stuff. Pot smoking Hufflepuffs? Yeah. Do oh, Hufflepuffs smoke pot? That, that's not, actually not a common joke in the fandom. Their house is right beside the kitchen's... Um, oh, so they're like they're like dumb stoners. They're dumb stoners. Yeah. Revolution. I'm like I'm now imagining like like a Che Guevara like poster, but it's like Harry Potter. <laughs> like <laughs> this is awful. Anyway, <laughs> I think I've seen that on Redbubble. No. <laughs> um, through Harry Potter, these people can be sold an identity on which they can subsist. Since the author of this mythology is now a turf munching troglodyte, the franchise turf munching. <laughs> what? You, g- girl, you're messing up your slurs there, baby. Turf munching. Turf munching. She eats turf badge, apparently. Yeah, I was about to say, that just sounds like a lesbian turf, which, to be fair, a lot of turfs are well, lesbians. But it's no. A, a lot of the prominent ones, they like to make a big show of their life. There, there are a lot of straight ones. There are a lot of straight ones. There are a whole lot of straight ones. Oh, yeah, I know. And there was this great 
uh, this person did a great thing looking. I, I don't like critiquing people based on who they follow on Twitter because it suggests. That, I do. Because it suggests that, like, I don't know. Because often they come for journalists like, this journalist endorses Donald Trump. He's given him a platform. And he's like, he's the president of America. He has Lay a platform. Lay down with dogs. Come this, up with fleas. This is, this is a journalist who's just trying to, like, see what Donald Trump's saying. There's a difference. However, it is true that if you look at the account, the following overlap between the LGB Federation oh and, God. like, known, unlike. Julie Bindle and Graham Linehan and things. There's really oh large overlaps. I hate Julie Bindle. But if you look at LGB Federation followers and LGBT organizations, there's very little overlap, almost as if the LGB Federation is not actually part of the milieu of uh, gay activism and is, in fact, just a hate group coasting off of gay no rights. No shit, Mary. Yeah, no, but it was it was good to see it put down onto That's paper yeah, okay. like statistically I get, that. I get that demonstrated that other than a handful of journalists there was no one following LGB and LGBT organizations uh, since the author of this mythology is now a turf munching troglodyte <laughs> the franchise must be reclaimed while the progressives cannot do this legally they can at least try to do it socially just as Pepe was seized from his creator through memes progressive Twitter now lays claim to Harry Potter through cringy memes Endless fan fiction. Okay. And God no, Harry hang on. Harry hang on. J.K. Rowling has lost control of her own work. He's right. He's, again, Despite he's all right. of this, I do not cry for her. Okay. Is that the end? Fair. Me um, no, it's not. There's so much oh more, but my that's God, the we end don't of have... what's funny. Um, uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. So so this guy is implicitly saying that he thinks Nazi memes are fine, mm-hmm. but no, leftist memes are cringy. I think he's just comparing. And to be fair... No! I'll read the last part. Yeah, read the last part. Um, we must create a new fiction to counter this narrative. While the millennials, capital M, were reared on the simplistic concept of good versus evil, we must raise our children to understand the complexities of the world. You write for the you're, book and you don't have children. Nazi, you don't get laid. You're a Nazi. What kind of like, I'm like, this, like your whole thing is simplistic concepts of good versus evil. In order to do this, we must give them a new mythology, a new fiction that recognizes this complexity. Force of the will. Only through this we can can we raise a better generation of kids, a generation that will be able to tackle uh, the cancerous a... utopianism of the millennial progressive. Only through this can fiction be saved. Does he have, Shut does he have up. a recommendation? Nope. Honestly, no. I feel like you know when you look at a Ben Garrison cartoon. Yes. And it includes and it and it implies that Hillary Clinton is corrupt and evil. Yes. I feel like that because I'm like okay. Obviously, True. His actual politics are probably garbage, and he's probably got terrible ideas. They are garbage. But, but his but his critique of liberal establishment, yeah, I can see it though. Well, the thing is, like, I mean, the thing is, like, like we only have less than sixty seconds, by the way. So <laughs> he's got a point, but he's an idiot. Done. Oh yeah, no, Boom. there we go. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you very much, Connor, for coming in and having very a welcome. very lively chat. Thank you. Uh, H and I will see you again. Well. Talk to you again. We won't see you and you won't see us. You'll listen to us again next week. Goodbye. Bye.